Hey folks, it is your host, I'm back, Jason, with the mandate. Is the jab mandate biblical? Well, alright, no, it's not biblical. I'm just going to get right out and say that. And here's why. Here's the short of it. The short of it, if you're not going to listen to the rest of this, is here's why. Because God does not grant the authority to any human institution to define what is right and wrong. All authorities are backed up by force. If an authority does, can't enact something with force, then it's not really an authority. Now, in particular, this case is the civil magistrate. The civil magistrate has the force to use the sword, meaning it's the only institution in Scripture in the New Testament era that has a right to kill you if you don't obey it. All right, so obviously, like a parent can't kill a child, <laughs> can spank a child, can't kill a child. Uh, the employer can fire you for not doing whatever, because the employer would have the authority, but it can't kill you. The government alone has the sword in the New Testament era. This is critical to understand. So, the question, the better way to ask this is here. When you talk about government, does government have the right to kill people if they disagree with it on this point? When people say, it's just the right thing for the government to do, well... Here's a better way to ask that. Can the government kill you for not doing this? And if, you're, if your answer is no, you know the rest of the story. Now, why are we having this debate? Partially, and then I'm going to be talking to, you, to Christians out there, because I'm assuming you're a Christian if you're listening to this. The Christian church, in particular in America, is a flabby, flabby, obese institution at point. You're commanded to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mind. In Romans 12, after 11 wonderful chapters of doctrine, we're told this, Romans 12. <clears throat> I quote this constantly because this is so important. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Acceptable to God, right? Not acceptable to people, not acceptable to uh, the media, acceptable to God. That's the standard which is your spiritual worship. Don't forget that. What are you acceptable to? God, that's the standard. Take the standard out and your mind is, is all a mess here. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. But by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is a critical issue here for all Christians. Christians are called to a life of faithfulness, which rests upon the standards of Scripture conformity therein to the Lord and his principles of his law word in Jesus Christ. We are to be conformed to the image of his son. Okay? And we do that by testing things, by thinking deeply about them, by how would we do that? By reading all of the great philosophers, by listening to all of the news shows, by having all of the newspapers. Well, listen, if you like that sort of thing, that's fine. But you apply everything, well, you, you, you put everything in a sieve, really, of scripture. That's what you're supposed to do. So, mandate biblical? Well, if the mandate's biblical, then that means in this case, how do we arrive when we're asking this is, is it right or wrong? So, by what standard? So, you hear Christians say this, and this is what I mean in terms of Christians lately. They say, well, well, and this is what I've heard, and I'm going to make fun of it because it deserves ridicule. Well, let everybody be subject to the governing authorities. And that is Romans 13, part 1 of verse 1. And if the Christian church, if you look at the mind, the Christian mind right now, and its lack of biblical fidelity, because of my people perish for lack of knowledge, right? 
here, if we were going to take a run around the lap, we're going to just take a run around the lap of, of life and just run through our biblical principles to see how we're doing. The, the, the average Christian today wouldn't get around the first turn of the track of the 440 yards or the 400 meters if you're, if you're into that kind of meter thing, right? <laughs> um, if you're listening to Europe or anywhere else in the world outside of the U.S., um, we wouldn't hit that first turn before we were over on the side puking and you know, puking our guts out and gasping for air because we're that obese. And it is a sin to be this foolish when we should know better, right? Who Who is a lone person Jesus really extolled the virtues of and just marveled? Think, think about this, Matthew, book of Matthew. Uh, the, Roman, the Roman soldier comes in, officer, and he wants his servant healed. Jesus says, well, take me to him. He says, no, no, you don't need to go. I, too, am a man under authority. I, and a man of authority. Think about what he says. I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to that one, come, he comes, right? Do this, and the servant, do that, and he does it. Just say the word. And Jesus marveled. He said, man, in all of Israel, I haven't seen faith like this. Wow. A faith that Jesus extolled was because the man understood authority. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what we should be doing. So remember this, when it says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, don't forget the rest of the verse. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Woe to you if you begin to think about life in a, in, from a perspective of neutrality. Oh, well, what does the government say? What does my friend say? What does this authority say? When you're talking about right and wrong, you're talking about mandates and authority. People have to comply with something. You're talking about ethical obligations. So here's the question, what source, what power, what standard has the right, has the right to issue ethical proclamations? If your answer is anything other than the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got a problem with your faith and your Christianity. You're suffering either from open idolatry and unbelief or you've slipped into polytheism. Polytheism is that you think there's multiple gods. And, and incidentally, that's not biblical Christianity. So once again, you've arrived at a serious problem. You repent of that. The Lord is gracious and good. And he'll move you through this. Now, those of you listening, I understand that this is a tough time. And the average church doesn't preach these things anymore because they have fallen into that because they don't want to be at war with the world. They want the world to like them. Well, you know, again, there's a couple, the first few chapters of Revelation shows what that sh does when we are confronted by the Holy God. So, if, if there's a part of creation over which the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't have full authority, then that part of creation must be God. And so, therefore, we're dead in our sin because he's not fully authoritative. Think about that for a second. And think, think about, I don't care so much about being liked by people and being called open-minded as I care about being faithful to the word of the Lord. So there are no authorities except from God and those that have been, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Those that exist, what's he talking about? Talk about the structures of authority. As I said, you have families, you have, you have businesses, you have, of course, state. And so the Lord puts this together for you. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, this is verse two, resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. In other words, they'll incur not eschatological end of the times wrath, but they'll incur legal judgment. You break the law, you're going to get in trouble. That's the way it's supposed to go. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Think about that word bad, good and bad, good and bad. Who's defining that? Go back to Romans 12, where it says, you know, acceptable to God. Who is the standard here? The Lord and his word. 
If we start defining good and bad without reference to the Lord, we have a problem. And that's where we're at right now. So, rulers are not a terror to good conduct but the bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. Now, I know Todd Friel had a thing about mandates that the Lord told him to wear, like, I forget what he said, pinwheels on his head. He would do that. That's preposterous. And I, I love the man. And it's from Wretched Radio, and it's fantastic. But that is just one of the most egregious breaches of logic and sanity that I've heard in a long time from such a man who should, should really know better. They cannot define right and wrong, and they cannot redefine morality according to their own whims and dictates. So they can't do that. Now, they can force you to comply with that, but I'm not going to comply with that. You cannot rob me of my freedom without me having something to say about it. Now, we'll get back to, we'll double back to that in a second. But once again, the government does not have a right to rule over what is right and wrong. They only enforce what God has told them is right and wrong. I'll repeat this again because this is so critical. If the government can say what is right and wrong without reference to God and his word, without reference to his standards, then the state must be God. <laughs> when Jesus called Herod a fox and John the Baptist preached, confronted him with his sin, was that unbiblical? Right? <clears throat> the, the only reason that you have... And if you don't want to fear the government, then do what is good, according to whose standard? If I have to fear the government for doing good, and clearly that government has now become a devil, has become a tyrant. So, let's consider that. Here we go again. And you receive his approval. Uh, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an avenger of God, avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Now, it's the reference to finishing up Romans 12, where it says, Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, leave peace will be with all. Okay, that does that now this goes on and says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Alright, so that doesn't preclude self defense. Someone tries to murder you, rape you, assault you, steal from you, you can defend yourself, you can defend your property. If for some reason you couldn't Maybe they, they deceived you or, or they overpowered you. The government is God's avenger. Okay, the, the, Romans 12 is not talking about uh, karma, God's avenger, God's wrath. It, it was just, it's karma, man. It's karma, dude. That's not what the Bible's saying. In the New Testament era, the only institution, authority, that has the sword, that means the ability to use violence, <clears throat> and not just corporal punishment, I'm talking about the sword, meaning death penalty, is the civil magistrate. The church doesn't have it. Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira were executed by God, not the church. So the New Testament church does not have the sword. It can excommunicate. It can discipline in various ways there, but it cannot execute people. It cannot use physical violence. Look at the book of Acts. They're in there reasoning and debating everywhere they go. And because they have the truth of the Lord, not their own truth, but the truth of the Lord and the gospel, Paul and everyone else there are fully rational, so everybody's losing the debates. And when they lose the debates, they either ridicule them, right? Going back to Psalm 1, scoffers and mockers, they ridicule them. Or they get really irritated and they form a mob that's violence, right? Or they go to the government to use force for them. And they, with some varying degrees of success throughout the book of Acts. <clears throat> We're living through the same thing today. So, this is, again, a, a, a complete rebuttal to the false notion of the radical and violent separation of church and state. The state is not a moral free agent. It can't be a moral free agent because if it is, that means it's God. That's what I mean when I said that, that everyone has fallen into polytheism within a church. Stop doing it. 
So does Joe Biden have the right then to say, this is good, so therefore I'm going to force you to do it? Ask yourself the question. Can he send his agents, because he's a 79-year-old dude, he's not going to come out and kill you with his own hands or his own force. He's going to send his agents, whether it's the FBI, the DOJ, or the police. Can they use forces to, to do this? No, of course not. That's preposterous. And it's, it's so hypocritical as to, to defy logic. Last year, the uh, CDC, which has no constitutional authority, by the way, unconstitutionally ordered um, business, uh, sorry, property owners to stop any evictions because it would be a public health crisis. Because apparently if somebody didn't pay their rent and got kicked out, that would cause COVID. So we had to not let anyone do that. <clears throat> They're not evidently been shot down as unconstitutional, and it certainly is unconstitutional uh, and unbiblical. Because, but again, we'll get to that some other time. Um, but now you can get fired from your job, and how? If you get fired from your job, can you be evicted because you can't pay your bills? I'm assuming you can be. Wouldn't that be a violation of the previous order from the previous year? This is the sort of nonsense that 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 people fall into when they just embrace the principle of sin and radical human authority. Now, go back to authority. Let's say you come over to my house and after dinner, you sit back and you put your feet on my table and I say, dude, get your filthy paws off my table. And you say, well, hey, Jay, I, after dinner, for me to relax, I got to put my feet up on a table. Well, put your feet on my stool. No, nope, no, nope, no, nope, it's got to be a table, dude. You, listen, you can't put your feet on my table, I tell you. And so then you're like, well, man, all right. And I'm, we're both thinking each other's weird and I know you're weird because why do you have to put feet on a table? But nevertheless... You say, well, how about I go to my house, come back with my table? To put, can I put my feet on my table in your house? Oh, uh, uh, man, that's amazing. You really are ardent about this putting your feet on a table thing. Okay, fine. So that's one way to settle it. <clears throat> now, what we've had is a difference of opinion in terms of preferences. But we're united on the principle of authority. Since it's my house, I have the authority. Right? That's why there's not a real conflict. There's just a debate. A conflict comes in when there is a refusal to acknowledge God-given authority. See where, we're just, see where I'm going with this? Let's say I go over to your house and tell you you can't put your feet on your table at your house. I don't have the authority to do it. Let's say you said, well, I, you, the previous <clears throat> suggestion, you come over and you say, what about I bring my table over to your house and put my feet, my feet on my table in your house? And I say, uh, no, I don't like any feet on any table in my house. Okay, I don't think that friendship's going to go anywhere, right? But nobody's rights have been violated. This is the issue because it's coming down. What's what's the central characteristic? What's the, what's the centerpiece of it? What's the standard? The authority of property rights given to us by God. See how this is so wonderful? The law of the Lord is perfect. Okay, making wise is simple. Everyone knows this. It's written on their heart. But what's happening here is, let's say you come in and you put your feet on my table and I say, no, you can't do that. So I'm going to do it anyway. So no, you can't do that. I'm going to do it anyway. Well, what are we left to do? What's really the conflict here is a battle over authority. You don't recognize my authority over my own house. So I call, the, I tell you to get out. You won't get out. What do I do? I call the civil magistrate. The civil magistrate comes out and says, whose house is this? It was my house. Okay, then dude, you need to get out because it's not your house. Let's say you refuse to leave. Well, they're going to take you out, ho-ho, and take you out, ha-ha. That's what they're going to do. And if you resist, they can use violence. If you resist enough, yeah, they can kill you. Okay? 
That's what it comes down to. Do you have a right to come over to my house and do it? No, you don't have the right to do that. And do I have a right to do that to you? No, I don't have a right to do that. So the civil message that comes in and acts as a de facto self-defense arm, if you will, when you look at the full context of this, this puts into perspective everything we need to know about authority and determining right and wrong. So the better way to ask the question again is, does Joe Biden have a right to issue this man? No, he does not because he doesn't have a right to kill me if I don't want to take that job. Okay, and what he's going to do is say, "Well, you're going to get fired." And he's going to tell, "Let's say, let's say a business." Okay, so we're going to go because it's on businesses. So if I have a business, I have over 100 employees, and I refuse to it, they're going to find me. If I say, "I'm forget that," I don't, I don't recognize your authority. I'm going to still keep my feet here. <laughs> I'm at my house. This is my business. I'm going to put my feet on my own table. And then Mr. Biden comes in, and uh, he's doing his thing, and uh, he's, you know, he's he's Putin in public. <laughs> Over the weekend, he farted, apparently, in front of some British royalty. Um, bad joke, but it's just funny. So let's say he just comes in. He says, no, you've got to follow my rule. And you say, well, dude, this is my business. And, and, and he said, well, okay, then you have to pay this ridiculous fine that came up with out of nowhere with this ridiculous number. He's defining what's good and bad. And you say, well, no, I'm not going to pay the fine, and I'm not going to enforce your mandate. What's he going to do? He's going to send in his troopers, right? And they're going to come in, and they're going to use force. So let's not mince words about this, Christians. At the end of every mandate or law or regulation, there's a gun in somebody's face. That's what the Bible says with the sword. It's a reference to that principle. You can't disagree with the law. I can't go over to your house and start bossing you around. Can't do that. <clears throat> if I try, you can repel me with force or the, God's civil magistrate, his servant, can do it. That's the key to understanding the whole thing. I know we don't like this subject because once again, we're sinners and sinners basically are anti-authoritarian. We don't like authority. We don't like God's authority, but it's exactly God's authority that sets things right. It's God's authority that gives us peace. And we need to stay in our lane is what we need to do. The church can't be the state. The state can't be the church. Um, and, and I can't be the parent of your children. You can't be the parent of mine. That's, that's the way this goes. I can't run your business. You can't run mine. We can trade with each other. We can <clears throat> agree to disagree, so to speak, but we can't violate each other's rights. We don't have the authority to do that. Whoever has the authority to issue ethical proclamations and back them up by force must be God. It's pure and simple. So when you read that and say, for he doesn't bear the sword in vain, that's what that means. And so if you've got something that you're wondering about, you go, should this be a law? The question really comes down to, do, do I have a right to kill him if he disagrees, right? So if a rapist breaks into a woman's house and says, well, I'm going to rape you, and you say, no, what we have is we have a, we have, we're at an impasse over rights and authority. Clearly, the man, the rapist, doesn't have a right to a woman's body. She can defend herself with force, even lethal force, if she needs to. Conversely, if she's overpowered, then the civil magistrate can do that on her behalf. That is the way it's set up. The government cannot force people to be good because then, therefore, they would be saying, I'm going to make you righteous through violence. And that's basically where the mandate here comes in and all regulations come in. The government is routinely unbiblical in about 99% of what it does, but that's another story for another day. Anyway, so can he issue ethical proclamations like this? No, he cannot. Um, he does not have the ethical, biblical authority to do that. And this is why Christians should resist it 
in the sense that they should be very ardent in their denunciations of the government's usurpation of God's God's authority, and uh, and we should we should preach it. We should preach to the state. We should preach to the civil magistrate. We should pray for them, but the, and, and warn them of their sin. And that is exactly what it is. It is open sin. Right, anyway, hope this all helped. And uh, again, I know this is a tough subject, and people people are very confused. And again, the only way out of confusion and conflict is scripture, and 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 our love of God, and our yes, indeed, our <laughs> repentance of trying to do things our own way. Okay? So, praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'll catch you guys next time.